And Jessica, Jessica McClure was just 18 months old. She fell into a hole in her aunt's backyard in Midland, Texas. Some of you remember this. For more than two tense days, America held her breath as we watched and waited to see whether this toddler would be saved in time. The hole actually wasn't a hole. It was an abandoned well that went deep down into the earth. And Jessica fell 22 feet down an 8-inch shaft. She slipped down this abandoned well and was trapped for days. And when the news broke, all, it was all hands on deck. Maybe you remember some of the pictures. Rescue workers from nearby and experts in oil and gas uh, mining descended on this backyard in Midland, Texas. And the mission was clear. Save, rescue Jessica. People from the police department, the fire department, paramedics, doctors, nurses, child psychologists, engineers, oil drillers. There was even a guy there who um, offered his help because he had a unique condition that he thought might be of assistance. He was born without a collarbone. And he could slip down into places that, well, the average person couldn't get. And he thought, well, I'm willing to lower myself down there and grab a hold of her and bring her up. Jessica was in that hole 56 hours, frightened, freezing, hungry, dark. Rescue workers drilled a hole with heavy drilling equipment parallel to the pipe where Jessica was stuck. And then at about 22 feet, they turned 90 degrees and went toward Jessica in an effort to save her. Hundreds of rescue workers, hour after hour of effort. Imagine it, multiply it out, those of you who are good at such things, 56 hours times hundreds of people. Thousands of hours devoted in an attempt to save one little 18-month-old girl. And thank God they did. Jessica did suffer a cut to her head and later had to have a toe amputated because of infection. But now she is here, you see her, mother of two children, and with no first-hand memory of the event. That's a nice thing, isn't it? <laughs> a question for us this morning might be, how many people does it take to save a human being? How many people does it take to invest in the next generation? We just saw them exit the church, didn't we? How many people does it take to invest in the next, next generation of, of church leaders, of children, students, as they become the leaders of the church? How many does it take? How many people does it take to comfort the bereaved? How many people does it take to bring hope to those who are hopeless? How many people does it take to encourage the downhearted? How many people? How many people does it take to be a community of support to those who are married, to those who are single? How many does it take? All of us 
That's what it takes. All of us. Everyone here today, and those of you who are part of our ministry today through television, all of us together to help a broken family, to help a a hurting individual, to help mentor a young person that they might know Jesus and become a devoted follower. It takes all of us, every one of us. 2,000 years ago, Paul was writing to his friends and fellow followers of Christ in a little community called Corinth. And that was a place filled with talented, ambitious, successful people who had come to this bustling metropolis to make a name, make a place, to be successful. But Paul wanted to remind them that who they were and what they became, they had become in light of what Jesus had done for them, in light of his sacrificial, sin-forgiving, eternal life-providing death, in light of what he had done in his miraculous, history-altering, universe-changing resurrection and ascension and reinstatement beside the Father, he wanted them to know, in light of his continuous power infusing intercession for us in heaven. He wanted them to know and us to know their new identity in Jesus Christ. They were part of a mission. They were part of a special community, a way of life that was bigger than what it may have looked like there in Corinth. Here's how Paul put it. Verses 12 and 13 of 1 Corinthians Chapter 12, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. The church is more than just a place where we gather to learn about God. It's a place where we together become God's genuine human beings. That's really what the church is about. God's worshiping, serving reflecting community of faith, reflecting God's image to the world. That's what the church is. We're we're a a new kind of community, a new sort of organization. We, we, We aren't just another social service organization, as important as those are. We're not just another local nonprofit. We are the Messiah's body. That's what Paul calls us, the Messiah's body. Look at verse 12 again. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Notice his words. Now, we might have expected him, looking at those verses, that verse again, we might have expected him to say this. Just as one body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with the church. I mean, that's kind of what he's talking about, but Paul doesn't say it that way. He doesn't say as it is with the church. He says, so it is with Christ. In other words, the church is something completely new, something completely different. It's a divinely inspired, a divinely created and empowered. It's a, it's a missional organization. The Holy Spirit is at work 
in you, in me, in us, together to bring about and to create Christ's family, Christ's body. Paul says that it formally happens, you can see it there in that verse, it formally happens in baptism, when we confess him as Lord and Savior and acknowledge him as soon coming king, but then it continues to happen day after day, month after month, year after year, as the Spirit sustains, empowers, and uses us together. He says, verse number 27, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. So it is that in Christ, us, we here together, his disciples, are something bigger than we can even begin to imagine. This is really the body of Christ. That's what Paul says. Now, Paul's speaking to a city that was consumer-driven, individualistic, self-centered, and strangely consistent with the way we are today. But we're more than just individual believers. A Christian is never a solo experience. Christianity is, is not that way. In Christ, we become part of a divine organism. Our head is Christ, and our body is made up of spirit filled believers united together in ways that are so plain but so unique and special that it's really hard to even understand. It's hard to grasp. Here in this 12th chapter of the book of Corinthians, Paul appeals to a reality that moves us toward understanding this dynamic, fulfilling experience that we are a part of corporately in Christ. His introduction to this concept kind of highlights the crucial nature of this, this issue. Notice what he says, verse number 1, chapter 12. He says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So here Paul begins, chapter number 12, a section of this book that will encompass three chapters. Not just one, but three. It's one of the most important, dis important discussions going on in this book. And Paul, Paul's goal is to inform them now, them and us, how this gifting that God gives when properly lived out creates a unity, creates a growth. It creates a mission-focused body called the church rather than what was going on in Corinth, which, as you can look at the end of the section, chapter number 14, it was a church that was full of discord and disagreement and dissension in Corinth. Unfortunately, that was, that's what was happening there. But here in these chapters, and this one in particular that we'll look at today, Paul emphasizes three core truths that we will talk about today. First of all, it's a simple one, totally straightforward. Everyone has a gift. Everyone. No one is, misses out on this one. Every believer, 
every follower of Jesus is gifted and becomes an essential part of this unity-producing, maturity-creating, Jesus-manifesting body of Christ. Every one of us. All of us. Notice verse number 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Every member, everyone, all of us here are gifted. You have a function. You have an important work to do. You have an agency. There is something that you can do and only you can do that God is enabling you to do, that you can contribute to the functioning of this body, of this church which then in turn matures and grows each one of us more in God's likeness and then which God uses to influence the world for His glory. That's what the church is about. You'll all notice that your giftedness, according to the Bible, is not a matter of personal aggrandizement, okay? It's not just for you to, to fulfill you. It's given, notice it says, for the common good. For the common good. Your gift contributes to a greater good, a higher goal. And Paul lists some of those gifts that are given to God's church. They're listed here. They're listed in another place in Romans. There's another spot in in Ephesians. And there's some also that Peter mentions. But these are not merely duties that we carry out and perform. They are, in addition, sort of what you could call um, the way that God has created us. Passions and interests and calling that He's placed in our hearts that we then, by the Spirit's power, fulfill and follow. For example, Paul mentions faith. All of us have faith. I mean, that's what believing in God is. It's faith. But there are some here in this church, some in every church, in every body, that have, well, mountain-moving faith. A faith that is like an unwavering belief in God's interest and in His concern and in His abilities. It's such a faith that it even encourages others to have more faith. Some people are gifted in faith, Paul says. Another gift that, that the church has given is the gift of uh, sharing. Um, now, all of us are, are charged with sharing the good news. Every believer in Christ is God's evangelists. But there are some among us who have what the Bible calls the special God-given ability called evangelism, a special ability to communicate the good news to others in winsome ways. There are others among us who are specially gifted, according to the Bible, with um, a unique and unselfish giving. Now, all of us give. We had that opportunity today in returning our tithes and offerings. All of us as followers of Christ are called to give, but there are some people who have a unique, God-inspired, God-filled gift to cheerfully contribute and sacrificially give to the point that's inspiring for the rest of us. And it infuses 
places like this and other ministries and people with, 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 with resources to help them. Some believers in the church are, gather, are gifted with the gift of knowledge. They, they are, have a special ability to gather information and Bible truths, and, and then they are energized with sharing that truth. They have the gift of knowledge. Some, some of us have the gift of hospitality. We just love to have people over. We just love to interact with, with others, to socialize and fellowship. Some of us um, are gifted, specially gifted, with serving. We love to help in practical, kind of behind-the-scenes ways that bless and encourage and inspire. All these gifts and, and many more, Paul tells us, have been given the church to impact lives, to build up, to encourage, to teach, to serve, to the end that others are impacted and lives are changed so that every member of the church becomes more like Jesus. That's what happens here in our church so that we together can reflect the fullness of God more completely and so that we can be an enrichment, a a blessing, an example to the world of what Jesus Christ is all about. You have a purpose here. You have a way that you can serve. You don't merely come to be served. You come as well to serve. And all of us are a part of that. No one is left out. We've all been given gifts, special abilities, talents by the gift-giving Holy Spirit. That's point number one. Point number two is related, but it's this, that you have uh, a gift that's important to the body of Christ. Every gift is important. Every gift is valuable. Every gift is vital. And Paul makes this point in quite a memorable way. You've read these verses before, but notice what it says in verses 15 to 18 of 1 Corinthians 12. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for this reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Now, if we played out that story that Paul begins here in this 12th chapter of Corinthians and just thought of maybe some parts of our body having a little conversation with themselves. Let's, let's choose, for example, the lungs. Let's say our lungs began to have a little discussion with, you, with each other. By the way, they're twins, you know. So one lung says to the other lung, you know, how you doing? You giving oxygen to the blood? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if one of the lungs says to the other. I don't know whether you ever think about it, but you know we never get any credit for what we do. Never get any credit at all. Always trapped up here in this cage. No one ever sees us. The body, it seems like, is always demanding more. They think that we're not carrying our weight or something like that. I'm, I mean, look at the nose. All it does is sit on the face. It just sits there and has holes. (laughs) 
And it's not really even needed. But we're constantly at work, around the clock, nonstop, and no one ever even sees us. I got an idea. One lung says to the other, what if we take a break? Let's just take a little break, just a short break. Let's just stop doing what we're doing, sit back and relax. Aren't you glad your lungs don't have that conversation with themselves? (laughs) Thank God my lungs, thank God your lungs are working exactly the way that God made them work. And you know what? When all the parts of our body are working the, the way that they're designed to work, we call that health, don't we? We call that good health. We call that being vibrant and strong. And Paul says that's exactly what's going on in the body of Christ. That's exactly what the church is about. All of us, with our God-given abilities and talents and gifts, using those together to minister and serve one another. That's what a healthy church is. We are healthy when every part is thriving and growing, when each one, when each one of us are leaning into our passions and purpose and utilizing the God-given gifts that, that we've been given and serving each other. That is health. That's vibrancy. Years ago, I read a book, years ago, probably over 30 years ago, by Paul Brand, an outstanding surgeon and brilliant physician. Maybe some of you have the book. It's called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. And he wrote in this book, and um, he kind of described the diversity of cells in the body in order to sort of illustrate the, the church as well. This is what he said. He said, chemically, my cells are almost all alike, chemically. But visually and functionally, they're as different as the animals in a zoo. (laughs) He says this, red blood cells resemble resemble lifesaver candies. Muscle cells are sleek and supple, full of coiled energy. Cartilage cells with shiny black nuclei look like bunches of black-eyed peas glued together for strength. Fat cells seem lazy and lead... Uh, leaden with bulging white plastic garbage bags jammed together. Bone cells live in rigid structures that exude strength. And in contrast, cell, skin cells form undulating patterns of softness and texture that rise and dip, giving shape and beauty to our bodies. Then he says this, What makes all the cells work together? What ushers in the highly specialized functions of movement, sight, consciousness, through the coordination of a hundred trillion cells. The secret to membership lies locked away in each cell nucleus, chemically coiled in a strand of DNA. DNA, that's it. DNA. DNA is estimated to contain instructions that if they were written out, okay, written out, they would fill a thousand 600-page books, if it were written out. A nerve cell may operate according to the instructions from volume 4, Paul Brand says, and a kidney cell from volume 25, but both cells carry the whole compendium, the whole list. 
The DNA is so narrow and compacted, he says, that if all the genes in all my body's cells were put together, they would fit into an ice cube. Imagine that. All the genes in all the cells of my body would fit into an ice cube. Yet if the DNA were unwound and joined together end to end, the strand could stretch from the earth to the sun and back more than 400 times. The DNA provides each cell, cell's sealed credentials of its membership in the body. Aren't we fearfully and wonderfully made? We are. And it's the case that just as DNA resides in every cell of your body, so too the living God resides in every cell within the church, every person infused and powered and filled by the Holy Spirit. We're all different. We're all unique. We all have gifts that are special, but, but we all have the common, you could call it, I'm pushing it a little bit, the spiritual DNA. That is the Holy Spirit of God that lives within us, bringing us together in unity. The church is being the church when every member of the church grows in Christ's likeness using the gifts that they have, the abilities that they've been inspired with, and blessed to, to gift and bless others. That's when the church has an impact on the world. For God's kingdom, for the expansion of His goodness, when every gifted believer is present and using their gifts and talents to serve and help and lift up and encourage one another. Finally, we've said that every believer is gifted and every gifted believer is important. Last, Paul says that every gift-blessed believer has a calling. You have a calling. You have a ministry. Ministry isn't a pastoral thing. I mean, reserved to the few of us who serve Village Church as pastors. Ministry happens when I use my God-given gifts to serve someone else in need. That's what ministry is. When, you, when I use my time combined with my spirit-planted skill to serve others, that's ministry. And each one of us do that. In that book, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, Paul Brand tells a riveting story about a pitiful beggar that he saw at the Central Railway Station in Madras, India. And that story has stuck with me ever since I read it decades ago. Like many Indian beggars, the woman was emaciated with sunken cheeks and eyes and bony limbs. Paradoxically, a huge mass of, of plump skin, round, sleek, like a sausage, was growing from her side. It lay beside her like a formless baby, connected by a broad bridge of skin. Even though Dr. Brand saw the woman only briefly, he felt for sure that this was most likely a limpoma a tumor 
of fat cells. She was starving, holding up a spidery hand for alms, and beside her was a massive tumor, thriving, nearly equal in weight to her entire body without the tumor, and exuding health, sucking life from her. The Madras beggar's tumor was mostly just fat cells. And when we think of fat cells here in the West, our first thought is something to be reduced. (laughs) But really there's a very valuable part that fat cells play. They hold within themselves a little tiny molecule of nutrition. And when the body needs that energy, that fat cell releases it. That's what they do. That's the strategic function of fat, and it's very important. But sometimes it happens, like it did for this madras beggar, that a dreaded thing occurs. There's mutiny, and it ends in a tumor, a lymphoma, such as this one that was attached to the madras beggar. It began just small, just a fat cell. But this single fat cell refused to give up its storage. For some reason, it rebelled against the leadership of the body and against the gift that, it's been, that it was supposed to have. And it accepts deposits, but it ignores withdrawals. Now, the cell is functioning flawlessly, beautifully, except there is one flaw. It's disloyal. It's, it has disregarded the body's needs. The madras woman was starving while the lymphoma was engorging itself. Physicians and all of us fear no other malfunction more, more deeply than this one, cancer. There are rebellious cells in our bodies and also in the body of Christ. Rebellious cells. Some of them are benign, sort of like this one with the, the woman, the madras woman, In a sense, they're not really killing the church, so to speak. They're just engorging themselves. They take in, they take in, they take in, they take in, and they never give out. They just take. They don't give. And the church suffers. Their whole approach is, what can you do for me? What are you going to give me? What can I receive? And then there are also those cells, those malignant cancer cells that are not benign but mutinant, mutinous to the point of destruction to the whole. You know, the church is always in danger of both, really. It is. 
benign fat cells that starve the church of its usefulness and power and resources, and, and also the malignant cancerous cells that eat at its very life. God calls us, you and me, to be living healthy cells that function for his glory and for the health of the body of Christ. God has gifted you. God's gifted me. He's given you this time and this place, this space, and his wisdom to bless the people that you are in contact with, to serve people that only you can serve, to encourage someone that only you can encourage. You know, I don't live where you live. I don't know who you know. I don't work where you work. I don't interact with those with whom you interact. But God, in his wisdom, has you situated just where you are. Just where you are. So that you can use his gift, his power, your skills and abilities to to bless, encourage, strengthen, and help along others. You may be saying to yourself this morning, Ah, Pastor Jeff, my time of active service and responsibility is over. I'm retired from service. I got something to tell you. (laughs) I've got news for you. (laughs) There's no such thing as a retired Christian. No such thing as a retired Christian. Yes, your involvement, your service, your, your part in the body may morph according to your current capacity. Yes, it will. But you have a God-ordained ministry. Every one of us have. It, at this point in your life, it may be just notes of encouragement. At this point in your life, it may be just prayers for safety and maybe a caring phone call. I shouldn't have said those word, that word just because that's important. That's vital. That's, that's essential in the body of Christ because all of us are important. That's what Paul says. All of us are vital and necessary to the health of the whole being. Every person, every believer, every spirit-filled believer is spirit-gifted. And we have the privilege of being part of God's mission. God's mission to the world. How we show up with our gifts, how we serve and bless one another. And I have to say, I am so grateful for you. I am so grateful for Village Church to be a part of this community. This is an amazing community. You serve in such meaningful ways. Whether others notice, whether you're seen or not, whether you're a nose or a toe, whether you're a lung or a hand, you're serving with joy. And I just thank God for that. You're a blessing to me and to many others. You know, it takes hundreds of us to make this thing happen. You know that? I mean, every, just think about it. Sabbath morning, what we're doing right now, what makes this happen? Well, it starts pretty early on Sabbath morning. Deacons arrive. They open up the doors. They turn on the lights. They make sure things are going right. Then it continues on with the hand of fellowship, uh, maybe a, a door being opened for you and the hand being sh- shaken. And it continues on with 
pianos, beautiful music and, and songs being sung and offering being collected and cameras being run and PAs being monitored and slides being advanced and on and on it goes. A whole team happens. That's how this happens. <coughs> and right now, as I speak, there's a whole nother team up in the fellowship hall with scores of kids doing ministry. And as we're all here doing this, there's another team at the center, the, the youth center, getting ready for our meal together. Are you going to join us? They're getting ready for that. There's team after team after team, all of us working. We are an army of people, and you do it so well. You serve with such joy and with such love. <coughs> we've, got a, we've got a host of gifted people here at Village Church who just serve with such beauty. And Sabbath school, Sabbath school teachers, people who, who teach our children week after week, month after month. We've got teams of people that come here during midweek and lead out in Pathfinders at the Youth Center and, and Adventures and Eager Beavers and Discovery Clubs here. And those are, that's just a few of the things that are going on. There's lots of things that happen without anyone's notice, without anyone getting any recognition or praise <coughs> for God's glory, for the building up of His church, for the maturity of all of us in Christ's likeness, for reaching the world for God. And I just have to say thank you. Thank you, Village Church. This was an appropriate Sabbath to have our elders, deacons, and deaconesses uh, dedicated and ordained for service. <clears throat> because all of us are really serving in different capacities, but we're all serving. And many of us not only serve here, but we serve beyond the walls of this church. Some of you serve at the center week after week on Sundays and Mondays and Tuesdays when you come in and make things right for the Sunday sale. And you're helping people in the community who maybe not don't have quite as much to supply their household, but they can find it there. And also by doing that, we are enabling families to go to school, Christian schools. There are scores of you who volunteer at Sunbridge, Gospel Outreach. This is the Outreach Weekend, Geo Weekend, and Blue Mountain TV. And you're advancing the gospel in this community and around the world. And then there are those who are not only serving in those places, but in services throughout our valley. Places like Helpline, Christian Aid, the Humane Society, Friends of Children, Alliance for the Homeless, Moms Network, Children's Home Society. There are all sorts of ways. And if I were to, you know, interview each one of you, and we took time for that, I'm sure that you would have a story to tell of how you're involved, what you're doing, how you're being blessed and being a blessing. Speaking personally for a minute, personally, I can think of a host of people who have been significant influencers in my life. People who have invested in me, nurtured me, helped me, matured me, teachers, 
mentors, elders, pastors, deacons, deaconesses, Sabbath school teachers. And I imagine that if I took time to interview every one of you in this room, you'd have a whole host of people that you could talk about as well. People who have spent time with you, who have mentored you, who have encouraged you, who have called you out of your comfort zone and invited you to become involved. Oh, thank you so much. That's so nice of you. All of us have received. All of us are spirit gifted. We've been called. And all of us are invited to use our gifts for the building of the, of the church, for the building up of all of us in Christ likeness, and for sharing the good news in our community. So I want to ask you this morning who will you encourage? Who will you serve? Who will you um, just bless by using your time and talent and the special gifts God's given you for His glory, for His glory in the world, for the building up of His church here in College Place, and for the soon return of Jesus Christ? Who will you serve? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for blessing every one of us. You never come into a life without bringing with you gifts. You've gifted all of us. We are all spirit gifted, Holy Spirit empowered, enabled by your strength to work together, to bring about something that's bigger than just a human organization. And so, Lord, we're dedicating ourselves to you this morning. Village Church, all of us. We had deacons, elders, and deaconesses up front this morning, but all of us really are submitting to you in this prayer to be used by you for your service. In this church, in this community, in our world, for your glory. And Lord, may we have an impact because it's empowered by you as our prayer. And we will give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.